Sure. That's a very important, but then we're going to look at the resurrection more from an historical standpoint than really looking at a lot of scripture. And obviously, now I'm going to show you a presentation that is based on research by um, Matt, sorry, by Matt Pearman, and he is the director of career navigation at the King's College NYC, and he's a blogger and author. So this is his um, information from some research that he did. All right, that's what this presentation is built on. So I feel that this topic of the resurrection is important because scripture says it's important. And why are the scriptures say, say that it's important? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 19, this is what it says. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. I believe... This whole section is important, but I believe that's if, that's probably, to me, that's the most important line. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, then what we preach is in vain, not just us as preachers, but us of us who, who testify to who God is. And the very faith, the very, everything we believe, everything we do as Christians is in vain. It is meaningless. It is futile. All right? So this, this not, I don't want to use the word I there, but this truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith as we know it. Okay? Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ from whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in the in Christ, in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now, there's a method commonly used today to to determine the historical uh, the hero heroicity is the word that they use of particular events, and it's called this: the inference to the best explanation. Now, that's a fancy term, inference to the best explanation. And with this approach, what we do is we begin with the evidence that's available to us. We begin with the evidence that's available to us, right? And then infer, if this evidence is true, what would be the best explanation to the evidence? So we look at all the evidence we have, and in this case, we're talking about the resurrection, and then based on what the evidence shows, we're going to determine what's the best explanation of this evidence. What's the best way to interpret the evidence that we have, essentially, all right? So in other words, what they're saying is we have to accept, or we ought to accept that an event is historical if it gives the best explanation for the evidence that surrounds it. That makes sense? That makes sense to everybody? Good. So today, though, we're going to focus here on three truths that even critical scholars, and critical scholars means those who are critical of the Bible in this case, okay? People who are critical of the Bible and the scriptures. So we're going to look at evidence that even critical scholars admit, that even critical truths that even critical scholars admit. So in other words, these three truths are so strong that they are accepted by serious historians of all Stripes, meaning of all lines of thought, 
whether these are religious men or atheists, whatever the case. Okay? Therefore, any theory must be able to adequately account for these data. So the, the argument here is given that, that, that scholars, no matter what their belief, faith system, whatever their ideology, can come to agree, right, that these three things clearly are truths. Therefore, the theory behind them must adequately account for these three truths. Okay? We good? Here are the three facts, the three truths. The tomb in which Jesus was buried was discovered empty by a group of women on the Sunday following the crucifixion. Right? The scriptures tell us that, but even secular historians say that this is true. Two, Jesus' disciples had a real, ex had real experience with, the, with one whom they believed was the risen Christ. Scriptures tell us this as well. I mean, Scripture says, in fact, it is Jesus. Historian says that at the very least, they had contact. They had um, 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 contact with someone at the very least that they believed to be the risen Christ. And the third truth is, as a result of the preaching of these disciples, which ha uh, had the resurrection at the center of it, the Christian church was established and the Christian church grew. So let's look at each of these. We don't have much time, so I'm going to be moving pretty fast. And I apologize for that, but... We don't really have a lot. Uh, come on. Sorry for that. So, the empty tomb is the first thing. So the question then becomes, what is the evidence that the tomb in which Jesus was buried was discovered empty by a group of women on the Sunday following the crucifixion? All right? Here's the first bit of evidence. The first bit of evidence that, that this happened is that the resurrection was preached in the same city where Jesus had been buried shortly before. What does that have to do with anything? Think about it. If that didn't actually, if these guys are going preaching, remember now, they're not just preaching, they're preaching resurrection. They're not just preaching resurrection, they're preaching the resurrection of Jesus. If that wasn't true, and people knew that the body was still in the tomb, that preacher would have shut down long time. Nobody would even head him up. So the fact that it was preached and so close to the event and the preaching isn't shut down, the pre there's no opposition to the preaching of the resurrection, then we know that's evidence to tell us that in fact these women did find an empty tomb. The second proof is this. The earliest Jewish arguments against Christianity admit the empty tomb. Now we don't have a lot of time. I want us to be wanted us to be able to look at this, but record the scripture in your notes, Matthew 28, 11 to 15. As a matter of fact, let me, let's read it because I think it, it gives it gives some context. I could try to be fast. Matthew what? 28, 11 to 15, right? 28, 11 to 15 from the NASB. Now, while they were on their way, some of the, uh, the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's heirs, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and it is today. Notice what they told the guards to say, that the body was stolen. Which means what? They didn't directly say it, but if you're going to tell the guard, say the body was stolen, that means nobody there. So, 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 indirectly, right, 
So earliest Jewish arguments against Christianity, which was the body was stolen, is actually a confession that the body wasn't there. Y'all better preach. Y'all better say amen. Third evidence. The empty tomb account in the Gospel of Mark is based upon the source that originated within seven years of the event it narrates. It is widely accepted that Mark is the first gospel in terms of chronological order. Mark was written first. Okay? The fact that the evidence that Mark got was, is within seven years of the event, again, again, if, this, if, if, if Mark is writing this soon to the actual event or recording uh, or the evidence Mark received, right, was recorded so close to the event, that would have, there would have been other evidence of, of it being untrue. All right, an event that big. Fourth, the empty tomb is supported by the historical reliability of the burial story. The, the burial story has already been shown, again, even among all scholars, secular and religious alike, to be true. Historically accurate. But a part of that story is the empty tomb. You can't accept the story and reject the empty tomb. That's a part of the story that you already said is accurate. Fifth, Jesus' tomb was never venerated as a shrine. It was common in Old Testament times, specifically in the time of Jesus, that when holy men died, the place where their bones rested, the shrines would be created so that people could come and revisit it and all of that stuff. Holy men were revered very highly, right? Every other holy man, as a matter of fact, it's recorded that uh, there were at least 50 shrines in that area where Jesus was buried at the time of different holy men. There was never a shrine dedicated to Jesus. Why? Because his bones weren't there. <laughs> you ought to make me preach. Six, Mark's account of the empty tomb is simple and shows no signs of legacy development. It was very common in those days that legacies or myths would be created, whether out of thin air or from an actual story that pretty much was messed up as time goes on. Let me tell you what I mean. There is actually a, one of, uh, I'm going to call it a gospel, but it's not a canonized book because it was already discovered that it was full of untruths. There's a gospel, I can't remember what it's called. Please forgive me, I should have recorded it. That has in it a legend of the resurrection. Not the story of the resurrection, but a legend. And in this legend, multiple funky things happen, including they say that not only did Jesus come out of the tomb, but a talking cross also <laughs> came out of the tomb as well. But see, this type of thing, this type of mythicism and legend making of actual stories was common. The fact that Mark's account doesn't have any of this freaky stuff, it's quite plain, quite simple, right? And so close to the actual event is stronger evidence that this is true and there's no legendary development behind it. This is important because critics of the text say that the, the, the resurrection is actually, all right, Ricky, is actually just legend. The story of the resurrection is legend, which is not. It's just too close for legends to develop. Typically, legends develop over hundreds of years, not 20 years. Seven, the tomb was discovered empty by women. This is important. This is why I love scripture. Everything in scripture means something, right? The fact that the tomb was discovered by women means something. The fact that the scriptures recorded means something. In that day, the testimony of women was worthless. 
No offense to the women in here. I love you all. Your testimony meant a lot to me. But in that day, it meant absolutely nothing. And the fact that the scriptures recorded anyway, anyway, why would you record that knowing that people would say, because it's true. Why would I, why, if I'm lying, I'm going to make sure men discover the truth. Not women. If I could make this story up, I, I could make this, I could give myself as much evidential weight as possible. I'm not going to say women discovered the empty tomb. That's stupid if I'm lying. If I'm telling the truth, then it is what it is. Evidence of the empty tomb. All right? So none of these are scripture verses, but these are all historical truths. And, uh, and I think this is important for us. Again, we don't need this for our faith, right? We accept the scriptures as the word of God. Right? To build our faith, we go to the scriptures. We don't go to historical evidence. As believers, we go to the scriptures. However, we have people who reject scripture, right? And so, unsaved people who you may be talking to or witnessing to or having conversations with, it's very difficult to be the Bible, say the Bible, say if someone rejects the scriptures. They don't see the scriptures as true or even reliable, much less for something to build their faith on. They don't even see it as reliable as a historical document. But if you've got secular scholars... How do they argue that? See, people like to say, I don't want no scripture, I want facts. Here it is. Ooh, here it is. Alright? So, the first one, and the year seven, testify to it, is the empty tomb. Next we have the resurrection appearances. The resurrection appearances. So, the empty tomb gives strong evidence to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Let me let me sit there for a minute. The empty tomb the Jews had no reason to remove Jesus from the tomb. It would do nothing to help their cause. As a matter of fact, it would only hurt it. These people were already seeing Jesus at the very least as a prophet. Many saw him as the Messiah. For the Jews to remove that body from the tomb, they would pretty much solidify Jesus' place as the Messiah. Let's assume that Jesus was lying, and he was not. If the Jews had moved his body, they would only hurt their cause. They knew that. This is why they put soldiers in front of the tomb. The Jews didn't move his body. Remember now, soldiers are in front of the tomb. These angels, dudes, who they give swords to, these are some of the most well-trained killers at the time on the planet. These are Roman soldiers. You understand me? I don't think you all understand. These are like Black Ops times 10. They're there. <laughs> You're trying to tell me some ex-tax collectors, some ex-fishermen can run upon these dudes, overpower them, Remove the stone and carry the body. So the idea that his followers took the body, even, uh, even the, in my research, even the most secular scholar says, absolutely not. I've got anybody who say, tells you that, obviously, ain't worth a grain of salt when it comes to being in the story. Absolutely not. Not going to happen. 
And so, when, like I said, when we look at the evidence we have and we try to ascertain what happened based on the evidence, we only have one thing left that's possible. If the Jews didn't take it, and the Christians didn't take it, the women sure couldn't take it. How you get up? Let me tell you how you get up. You walk up. That's, <laughs> that's how you got out. All right? And so the empty tomb is extremely important when we talk about the validity of the resurrection because nothing else explained it. I mean, anyone who say that Jesus didn't really die, again, this is an historical fact that the man was dead. You could take scripture out and you could still prove historically that he died on that cross. The resurrection appearances is the next set of evidence that proves the actual resurrection. The reality is these men testify, Jesus' disciples that is, and the women, but let's just take the men because it is their testimony that was valued in the day and not the women, testify to seeing Jesus and having experiences with him. Not just seeing him, this is important, they ate with him. The scriptures say that they touched him. These are going to come important, become very important in a minute as we continue. This is important. All right? And so you can have a... Re it is very likely that after someone die, if you see them again, you ate with them, and you touch them, it's very likely that they are alive again. Now, I have to say it because it's just so sometimes we miss how simple this is. And so the fact that these men not only experienced this, but had the goals to record it and then preach it, and then as we're going to look for, uh, for eventually die for it, it speaks volumes to its validity. All right. Now, here's the I recognize and many scholars recognize that just because there's someone say they saw someone who's dead, that doesn't necessarily make it true. Right. You, sometimes people lose relatives and they go somewhere in a crowd and they believe they saw their, their relatives. <laughs> this is true, right? And Elvis. <laughs> so just because they say they see him doesn't mean it's true. But then if, 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 this, if we just can't take it automatically, but, if, but they are saying that they did see him, then we only have three options in my view, right? Here are the options. Either they're lying they're hallucinating, or it's actually true. All right? Either they're lying, they're hallucinating, or it's actually true. Let's look at the first one. they lying. Right? Now, 10 people are not all going to give their lives for something that they know to be a lie. If you know how the apostles died, it, it, it was rough. You know? Judas hang himself or, or fall off the cliff or whatever. John died in, in, in exile in Patmos. But 10 of them died, some hot oil, boiling, crucified, beheaded, all kind of different things, stoned, all right? It's rough for people to die for something that they know true. People hear people talk, but they give their life and stuff. But when the rubber hit the road, that's a different story. It's, it's different when a guy um, holding a knife to your neck talking about Ali Akbar and all that. <laughs> You're like, oh, Jesus, sorry? <laughs> you know, it, re it gets real then. Right? It's, it's hard to die for something that you know to be true. Who in the world is going to die for something that they know is a lie? Because if they're lying, they know they're lying. Here's the thing. That's going to be hard for one person to do. You might get one person to die for a lie, right? Just to carry on the cause. You only get 10 dudes to die for a lie. 
No way in the world. So at the very least, these men, if not saw Jesus, ate with Jesus, and touched Jesus, they sure didn't believe that they did. Good? Now, because of the absurdity of the theory that the disciples were lying, we can see why almost all scholars today, again, Christian and secular scholars, admit that if nothing else, the disciples at least believed that Jesus appeared to them. They genuinely believed that. Okay? Here's the second option. So, they weren't lying, right? Because even if Jesus didn't appear, they genuinely believed that he did. And so, for, based on that, they definitely weren't lying. The second one is they hallucinated. Now, the hallucination theory is untenable, or in other words, simply can't hold up, because they cannot explain the physical nature of the appearances. Again, they didn't just see him. They touched him. Dude ate fish. You know what that means? This ain't, it, this ain't like he ate boneless chicken strips. He ate, that means he was, you know, picking, sucking the bone. He eat fish. His fine motor skills were in, are in action. You don't hallucinate fine motor skills, do you? I don't. I mean, I don't know. It just seems so exact, so precise to be an hallucination, right? So because of that, hallucination is very unlikely, or it can't even hold up because people don't hallucinate like that. They had conversations with this man, right? There's more. Hallucinations are highly individual and not group projections. People don't hallucinate as a group. <laughs> you have different hallucinations. You hallucinate the same time, but you don't hallucinate the same thing. You see the problem? If it was one person, that pro you probably could try and sell that. Or ten us hallucinate the same thing. That's some really good shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's some tall shelf stuff. Hallucinations aren't, aren't group events. And so when people try to sell that to you, that's almost laughable. You don't laugh because they can get offended. But it is funny. It's funny and how silly it. You mean autonomous? Hallucinate the same thing? So that obviously can't fly. The hallucination thing out the window just doesn't make sense. So the only thing we have left is that they really saw the risen Christ. They couldn't have been lying. We already saw that. Nor could they have been hallucinating. So again, when we look at the evidence, we have to try and figure out what's the best explanation for the evidence. And the fact that these men saw, or at the very least say that they saw a risen Christ, that they weren't lying and they weren't hallucinating. They saw the risen Christ. You see, if we reject the resurrection, we are left with a second inexplicable mystery. If we reject the resurrection, we have no way to explain the tomb. There is no other explanation than none. That's why they can't find it. Even people who reject the, 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 the resurrection say to you that they can't explain why the tomb is empty. Not intelligently. I mean, other than that they steal the body, but of course, no one in their right mind believes that. Clearly, they wasn't hallucinating. So all you have left all you have left is that Jesus Christ walked out the tomb. That's all that's left. And, and, and we need to be able to be willing to accept that. I mean, as Christians, we accept that. And it gets me excited. But the fact that I only look at the Bible once so far for the day, right? But twice when we looked at Matthew to look at how the Jews pretty much admitted that the tomb is empty. But we started with a scripture simply to explain that the resurrection is vital because the entire faith is built on it. If Jesus Christ is not 
resurrected, we might as well go home and get the macaroni started. Amen? We might as well have that Grey Goose and Cron and light a joint while we watch the football game. We might as well. We you say, yeah, I agree with you, man. We waste some time. Let's go do some yard work or something. Go service the car. Go water the garden. Go watch some of Maya makeup tutorials. Do something. Look at Leo post every day about his video editing. Do something. Here's the big third evidence. The origin of the Christian faith. The fact that we are here today. The fact that we are here in this room, week after week, in the middle of a pandemic, we come into church, even talking about the resurrection is evidence of the resurrection. Let me tell you what, remember now. I'm oh, sorry about that. What did I do? What did I do? How do I get out? TJ, help! The existence of the Christian church is strong proof of the resurrection. William Lane Craig, who's a, 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 a historian, historian scholar, points out that there are three possible causes for the existence of the Christian faith. Three causes, all right? Christian influence, sorry, either it's Christian influence, pagan influence, or Jewish influence. Let's look at them. Could it have been Christian influence? Craig writes, since the belief in the resurrection was itself the foundation for Christianity, it cannot be explained as the later product of Christianity. You got that? It can be something that Christianity came up with later and try to make it a part of what they do because it is actually the base of what they do. It is the reason that they actually exist. Because remember, when they after the resurrection, the apostles were preaching the resurrection. If you read the Peter's sermon in the book of Acts, he basically was, was hammering that home. And so, with it being the foundation, it cannot be a later product of. So, it couldn't have been Christian influence in the sense that later on they made it up. But, however, it's Christian influence in the sense that it is the foundation of what, who we are. As we saw, if the disciples made it up, then they were frauds and liars. Alternatives are we have shown to be false. We have also shown the unlikeliness that they hallucinated. So we have we have taken away, uh, in other words, we have taken away all of the objections, and all we have left is what we are built on, which is Jesus Christ, in fact, was resurrected. Now, some scholars obviously don't want anything to do with that because if that is true, and the trust you me, some of these scholars who claim it ain't true, they know it's true. But they, they have to say it's not true because if it is, then it requires a decision. It requires you to do something. If you're telling me that Jesus Christ is resurrected, you can't have that information and do nothing. That requires action. Especially given what he taught before he died, you have to do something with that. And so people reject that simply on that note, that they know they have to do something with it. Hi. I think also, just a logical, um, just a logical exploration of their motive need you to, like, what did they have to gain? Like, that's the, that's the question. What did they have to gain? Because they weren't seeking power because they couldn't overthrow the Roman government. Mm -hmm. They weren't seeking money because there was no money to be gained. <laughs> the only thing that was at risk was literally their lives. Yeah. From multiple people. So, I mean, from a logical conclusion, what would lead them to do this? Exactly. And think about it. All of these men pretty much left their lives. In yeah. some cases, very successful businesses. And families. And families. 
you would think if he died and never was resurrected, never truly resurrected, the most simple thing to do was to go back to what you were doing. They didn't do that. Like you say, logic dictates you go back. They knew that right before he paid it up. Okay, right. So they did go fishing, right? Like Leo said, they went back and then he appeared to them and then they got fishing again. So they realized, okay, so he really was telling the truth. Because he died, and then I was like, but maybe he was lying. He appears, like Leo indicates, very true. And they leave fishing again. But at the end of the day, they leave fishing for good. Alright? So, could it have been pagan influence then? We already we already know the answer, but let's look. Let's just look at the evidence to, 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 to be thorough. First, if it had been shown that, they, uh, that these mystery religions had no major influence in Palestine in the first century. Now, the argument is that there were other religions that had similar storylines as Jesus. Right? Um, like They claim other characters came before Jesus who also were born of a virgin and had 12 disciples and also died and rose again. This is why research is so important. And when I say research, I don't mean random YouTube videos. Right? Because people usually speak from their biases. If you look at the stories that, that claim to appear to be similar to the story of Jesus, that claim to come before the Jesus, story of Jesus, you'll notice one thing. The most of them actually do not come before Jesus. That's one. The majority of them. Some of them do, but in fact, they are quite different from Jesus' story. They, they leave out, those who try to make you see that they do, they leave out very important details of these other stories so that it fits better with Jesus' story to try to, to, to make you indicate that the Christian religion copied something in which they did it. Because the people who they claim were born of a virgin, the records show that they actually, that there never was a claim to virgin birth. Right? Many people had disciples back then, so that's not a big deal that someone else would have had disciples. Um, there is never a, a claim of a, a, a valid show of death or resurrection or claims of resurrections of these parties. Right? These parties never claim, a lot of them never claim to be um, God or the Son of God. So it just it just doesn't line up. On top of that, here's what it says. These same mystery religions actually didn't have a major influence in Palestine. So even if they existed, they weren't really in. So it's sort of like, well, they, they gain in ground now. But like in the last, the four or five years ago, you nobody know who he, Behemoths didn't know who Hebrew Israelites were. So to say that Hebrew Israelites without any influence on our spiritual culture would be laughable. Now they starting to sneak in or not sneak, but they starting to gain momentum nowadays, and so you kind of know who they are, but before you wouldn't know. And it's the same situation. Second, most of the sources which contain parallels originated, I mean, I just said that, after Christianity was established. Third, most of the similarities are often apparent and not real, and I just said that. Okay. Fourth, the early disciples were Jews. That's important, right? First of all, Jews would never borrow from another religion. Think about that. Jews ain't gonna borrow nothing from no one else. You talk, if you even talk to an Orthodox Jew today, we got the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Roll up. We ain't want nothing to do with your Jesus. At the very least, he might have been a good prophet. And we hate Paul. <laughs> they ain't borrowing nothing. All right. Not only that, the whole idea of 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 um, because remember the disciples were Jews, 
So sort of to sort of backdrop a bit. Jewish Jewish people, those who believed in the resurrection, believed that the resurrection at the end of time. So the idea that one, and this was a group resurrection, the idea that one man would actually rise from the dead in the middle of time, before time actually ended, is nothing that a Jew would readily admit unless it actually happened. That's another point to the, the disciples actually preaching resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? So, yeah, Jews are hanging borrow nothing from no other religion. That's unthinkable, that's laughable. So obviously it's not pagan influence. But what about Jewish influence? First century Judaism had no concept. Oh, I just said that. I kind of went ahead of myself. So they had no conception of a single individual rising from the dead in the middle of history. All right? They always thought that there would be a resurrection at the end when everybody would come back to that. All right? Of course, we also we know that that's true. We that alive first will be caught up. Glory! <laughs> no, those, those are the dead who rise first. Right? Yeah. And then that's who are caught up. Two who remain will be caught up. All right, so we know that there is a resurrection at the end of time. It's going to be a great reunion day. Psychologists will tell you that hallucinations cannot contain anything new. That's another point that rejects the hallucination and the Jewish um, influence. So you hallucinate about things that you already know, seen, experience. You see what I'm saying? So the idea. Given that, this whole concept of individual person in the middle of time raising from the dead is not a part of Jewish culture, mindset, or teaching, the idea that they would hallucinate that makes no sense. Psychologists tell you you hallucinate on what you already know, experience, believe. So clearly these fellows know, experience, and believe what they say. So we see that if the resurrection did not happen, there is no plausible way to account for the origin of the Christian faith. We would be left with a third, we would be the, how we get here then. If the resurrection didn't happen, people would be able to readily and easily dismiss it. Not only did not, it was not only the disciples who claim or made claims of seeing Jesus. Understand this, you could almost even try to argue that away. Oh, they were with him for three years, they couldn't, Conceive the idea that their mission failed and they couldn't let him go. How much other witnesses is worth? Up to 500? 500. Maybe 500 people to put their reputation, character, livelihood. Because you know that's what's going to happen, right? In a very Jewish town that you live in, you're going to come out and say that I saw Jesus resurrected. You could be on the outskirts. You could be outcast. I promise you that. Why would you put that at risk? You're going to get outcast today. <laughs> You wear a breach point. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. So not only does scripture teach us this very truth. So from, from God himself, making sure he preserved the truth for us. God in his infinite wisdom. I don't particularly, I, I don't think you should use logic to justify your faith. Right? Faith is faith. Not everything that God does could be explained by logic. So I don't want us to get locked into logic. But when God actually gives us something that we can even explain by logic, it even makes me smile more. Because he don't have to. But he does it anyway to show himself love. I mean, you would you would have to be an idiot to reject this obvious. That's basically what God's saying. When he allows us to have the logic to go along with it, he's basically saying, you would have to be the last idiot on, on earth to not realize that this is true. And I'm grateful for that. 
And so we see from an historical standpoint, we didn't use any scripture today to prove our point. We can make a very strong case. I believe, I believe if we went to court, we'd win the case easily. We'd make a very strong case that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in fact, did happen. And as such, our preaching is not in vain, and neither is our faith. And so we can move forward in confidence, not only in our personal life, in our personal faith, but in evangelizing and letting others know about this faith so that they too can experience what we've experienced in Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, that's the mission, right? Is that not the mission? So stand firm in your faith, folks. Stand firm. The resurrection is truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time today. We thank you for sharing and giving us insight into your truth that we can look and we can just be so confident that what we believe is true and that you are true. And as such, the lies we live will be worth it. The lies we live for you are worth it. As you said, those who follow you and give up um, family and houses, we're going to gain that and so much more. And so, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for our time today. We thank you for each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We just thank you that we have the ability to fellowship with each other and be with like-minded persons. Be with us. Bless all of us. Every person represented, every home, meet every need. Wherever there is lack, God, we pray that you fill in the gap according to your riches in glory. Bless these persons. Protect them. Watch over them and their families. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, folks.